0: we're discussing spiritual life to be spiritual is very popular these days I have a friend who works for the phone company he had to go on a retreat once as part of his job where they were teaching him to be spiritual and they were literally told as bizarre as this sounds that part of spirituality was to go out and be concerned about the environment so they had to walk into the woods and put his arms around which was hard for my friend who lost one of his arms in an industrial accident. They were supposed to hug a tree. He said, how do I hug a tree with one arm? All he had is a stump on one side because of an accident. So what is spirituality? What is the spiritual life? The slide with the big question mark, please. if it's not there that's okay there's a website called spirituality and it lists different ways of being spiritual one of them it lists is twittering which is beyond me how twittering is being spiritual some of our politicians love to twitter and they don't strike me as very spiritual people I don't think any of them is going to replace Billy Graham as America's pastor. Witnessing, if you come from certain backgrounds, is the most important thing. I was once told you couldn't be spiritual if you hadn't shared the gospel with someone that day. So witnessing was that person's definition of what it meant to be spiritual. If you go to some of the big mega churches in northern Illinois, you'll quickly learn that using Serving is what they consider to be spiritual. And they may give you a gifts inventory, which inevitably will plug you into somewhere where they need additional manpower. The spiritual disciplines are becoming popular again. Many people think that they're the key to becoming spiritual Unfortunately, my concern is is that it's going to lead to a new legalism. Spirituality through the law. Do this, don't do that, and then do more of this. Often it's something like scripture memorization. Remember, I was in one church once where our children would memorize an entire book of the Bible every year because someone had concluded that that would make the children spiritual. What it did was teach them how to read upside down when a person held the passage they were supposed to memorize on the table. That's what our son learned in Iwana, how to read upside down. Bible study, of course, is important. The Word of God is how we learn who God, who is Spirit, his person and his will for the world and for us so being in a Bible study and personal Bible study are very important elements the passage that this sermon is based on is found in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through 18 there Paul says I say live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature for if you were led by the spirit you are not under the law then he explains the acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery Idolatry and witchcraft. And sorry, Lean Green Greenwood, I don't thank my lucky stars. I thank God. I'm not into astrology. That song we sang. If you read your Bible, you would have picked that up right away and realized the theological disconnect there. And then Paul continues in verse 21, describing the deeds of the sinful nature, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, he says. So there is a spiritual war in our lives between what God wants to create in us true spirituality and the deeds of the flesh or the desires of our sinful nature. In our small group this week, we had some sharing. And what struck me is how many of the people shared the struggle that they often have in being a spiritual person. Often because of habits we acquired growing up or lifestyle patterns we fell into when we became adults or things that were modeled for us by our parents and other influential adults. Then Paul explains what God wants, not these deeds of the sinful nature, but the uh, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I once had the opportunity to speak to a group of all-American athletes, young men who had worked very hard to achieve very highly in their field of interest. I asked them why they worked so hard. What did they want to get out of it? And I said, let me read you a short list of of traits and ask you this question. Is there anything you have, you hope to achieve by working so hard to become an All-American other than love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control? They all shook their heads and said, yeah, that's, those are what I was after if I'm successful then the girls will like me and I'll get a good wife and I'll have love if I'm successful I won't have all the worries that I saw my parents have growing up then I'll have peace if I'm successful people will think I'm a good person I'll have goodness if I learn to work out every day and achieve well I'll be faithful and nobody chooses as a friend someone who can't keep their word these are obviously the traits that we desire for ourselves and our children they're the fruit of the spirit remember last week we talked about this part of the country is must have seemed like a paradise to the early settlers because everything grows and bears fruit here wonderful apple trees how does an apple tree have fruit I told you the secret, if you remember, my wife and I come from New York State where we have great apples. You see it on a full moon in August. When the full moon comes out, apple trees just pop out apples. You don't hear them grunting out, apples, 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 I will have apples, pop! And then out they come. In our small group, what struck me is how many of our members shared that there were times in their life when there were people who were not so lovable and they knew that they should give a Christian witness to that person be it a neighbor, co-worker, family member, friend and they were trying desperately to show love, joy, or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control but these are called the fruit of the Spirit the truth is apple trees don't have to grunt and groan and try real hard to produce apples The only thing an apple tree has to do to to produce apples is have apple life in it. If it does, it just produces apples. They come automatically. And so Paul describes the spiritual life as the fruit of the Spirit. Is what comes automatically when the Spirit lives within us. If we have the Spirit living within us, what is produced is the fruit of the Spirit. One of the ways to tell if someone is spiritual is to look at their life. As Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. Look at their life and see if we see the fruit of the Spirit being produced. Or if we see the deeds of the flesh being produced in them. Then we know what's really controlling their life. So, if the uh, deeds of the flesh have entrapped you Remember that it is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that can free us from that trap. I shared that I grew up in a home where critical speech was the dinner conversation. I still struggle with that at times because it was a habit that we were trained in and we turned it into an art form in our home. Largely because of a very bitter and angry mother who'd gone through a divorce, been socially ostracized, and caught off by her family, and being filled with bitterness instead of filled with the Spirit, showed us what the fruit of bitterness and anger looked like, and sound like. What I discovered when I became a Christian is, is that that habit was extremely difficult to break, because it was kind of like autopilot. Carrie is one of the air traffic controllers. He knows what autopilot is. Something happens to the pilot, the plane goes on autopilot and it goes where it's been told to go. I went where I'd been trained to go. I'd go back to critical speech. So then I would pray, Father, fill me with your spirit now. I would confess my sin, ask him to forgive it and to cleanse me from the unrighteousness and to fill me with the spirit that my speech might be characterized as that which is truly good and holy and pure and above reproach and honorable before God. And over time he did begin to change me so that I don't speak that way anymore. For which I'm very thankful. The other one that changed the most is the fruit that we're going to talk about today is love. Because I grew up in a family that was so dysfunctional, I remember... Someone coming up to me once saying if you had your choice between known as a man of faith, a man of hope or a man of love, what would you want? I immediately said faith, I remember. Then yeah. I quoted the verse without faith it's impossible to please God. Then he showed me 1 Corinthians where Paul says now we remain these three, faith, hope and love but the greatest of these is love. And that evening when I had my evening time of prayer and reflection on the day as I reflected I realized I didn't even know how to spell the word love I didn't know what it meant what does it mean to be known for love God graciously began to change that part of my life one way he did that is he brought a young woman into my life who eventually became my wife and taught me what love was and taught me how to love and helped me to overcome my sinful habits of the past and my inadequacies of the past by allowing the spirit to fill me and to bear the fruit of love in my life instead of me trying to discipline it out love, love, I will show love we have a neighbor right now who's not the most lovely guy in the world. The other day when we had that heavy rainfall at night he's out there in the middle of the night in his raincoat throwing sandbags down on the end of the driveway cursing gravity because of gravity the rain flows down the steep hill we live on and across his driveway. He wants somehow gravity to be overridden. I don't think that he would be happy if that happened because When he parked his car and the wind blows, his car would blow away. Then he got in his car with the doors open and the rain pouring down. starts beeping his horn in anger. He's not an easy guy to love. What did my wife do? One day he came over to the house screaming and raging. I had to drive my wheelchair to the front door to get in his face so that he would back off. I was afraid he was going to strike her. He was so out of control swinging his arms around like a crazy man. My wife stopped and prayed, God, Spirit, now fill me and enable me to show love towards this man who needs to find Christ. You put us as his neighbors to be a witness. And so as she prayed that, God began to calm her spirit down and enable her to respond to him with the love of the Spirit from within instead of with the way her father Sergeant Katarski would have responded in the army where he would have slapped down whoever dared speak up against him he was one of those tough sergeants that you see portrayed in movies not a guy you took on lightly and so the spirit freed her from her own limitations and filled her and manifested the fruit of the Spirit in her life so that we could be a good witness to that neighbor who we continue to pray will one day ask us why we're different as some of our neighbors have in the past. And one day perhaps we will have a Bible study with him as we did with Sam and Carolyn back in Texas as you remember my wife Sam grew up in Texas you can't grow up in Texas and not hear the gospel there are Baptists everywhere so Sam had heard it but never really responded intellectually he he said I'm not opposed and then we began to meet with them and disciple them and teach them what it meant to be a Christian he probably saved my life one day when I broke a safety rule and a saw cut through my hand and he had been a medic in NAM. I yelled, get Sam. He jumped the fence in one leap. I don't know how he did it. And used his arms to make a tourniquet on my arm to stop the blood flow so that I didn't bleed out severely. Years later when he had a heart attack, it was my turn to return the favor and to go to visit him in the hospital and call his wife with a report of how he was doing. He was up here on a business trip. We got a frantic phone call from Carolyn. Sam's been rushed to the hospital. Will you go see him and tell me how he is? So of course we did. Visited him and prayed with him. He's a good Christian now. He's raising his son to be a Christian as well. God's Spirit can enable us to become what we are not by nature when the sinful nature has its hold on us. Remember Ephesians 5.18 Do not get drunk with wine which is dissipation or waste, wasteful. But be filled with the Spirit. That word translated filled had two uses in the Greek of Paul's day that may have been in Paul's mind which it has is used for in our day as well. One is a sail filled with a wind. When a sail is filled with wind, it is quite literally directed or controlled or empowered by the wind. And so, being filled with the Spirit, the Spirit can direct or control, guide our lives in God's will, and empower us to do God's will, which sometimes is difficult because of besetting sins because of the sins of the flesh that have taken control in our life He can empower us to be, break us free from that The other use was a room filled with a fragrance or an aroma My wife knows I don't li- like going to department stores because when you walk in they always put near the main entrance the women's section with all the perfumes I'm highly allergic to fragrances, I walk in and have to put a handkerchief over my nose and use it as a breathing mask. I take a deep breath when I go and hold my breath, get to where there's clearer air and start breathing again. By the time I come out my eyes, my throat's raw, my eyes are itchy and turning red from the allergic reaction. I just can't wait to get out of those stores that being filled with a fragrance can be a very good thing. Years ago I was at Dallas Seminary on the faculty and Dr. Wolvard was our president, a very godly man. Many times I remember him walking into faculty lounge. Over lunch, faculty members are known for their strong opinions. And we'd be having a discussion about some crazy thing and not agreeing with each other and Dr. Walbrod would walk in and the whole room would change. There was a fragrance about him. It was the fragrance of the Spirit. And somehow you knew that it's different now. Speak different, Michael. Speak more gently. Be a little more understanding. Show love in your response. Seek for understanding, not for victory. My opinion is the one the others were forced to accept because I argued it more convincingly than they could theirs. There are people like that who are godly people. When they enter a room, it changes. The fragrance or aroma of the spirit who fills them is about them. My friend Dewey Larson who had been a research mathematician back in the 70s when the recession hit he was out of work, ended up working at Bethlehem Steel one of the things they wanted him to do was create a mathematical model to optimize the steelmaking process if you've ever been around steel mills these are not refined people who play Bach and Beethoven while they work on their headphones they're very raw places Dewey would walk in and the conversation would change because you just didn't tell those kind of coarse jokes around Dewey. One of the ways he would help them is he had a little card he kept in his pocket when they would start cursing. He'd pull the little card out. This is a great big tall Swede, six foot three Swede, big guy. And it was his spirit that could make it made it work. He would say, 10 reasons why I swear. First, it pleases Mother so much by the time he finished with number 10 he'd have the whole crew bent over in laughter and they'd realize telling coarse jokes and speaking about women in terribly inappropriate ways is inappropriate around this man You don't do that here and he changed the workplace by the aroma that surrounded him the aroma of the spirit I think all of us should desire to be spiritual people so that the aroma of the Spirit characterizes us. That is when we walk into situations people realize there's something different here. There's holiness here. Not that you're so goody two-shoes that nobody can laugh. I like a good joke better as much as anyone. I was going to ask Jan who's in our small group. Jan, tell me the best redhead joke you've ever heard so that I could know one that would be safe to tell my sister's a natural redhead because often jokes like that are very offensive and inappropriate the same with Irish jokes I grew up hearing all the Mick jokes I didn't find them funny as a young boy or a young man I didn't like having my heritage being insulted Or when people knowing my mother's side was all German would say, Jawohl and see Kyle. No, that was not funny. That was insulting my mother and grandmother and my grandfather. Holiness can, God laughs. The Bible is full of humor. One of the things you learn quickly if you ever study biblical Hebrew is that Biblical Hebrew is full of puns and jokes. God often reveals humor, which is part of life. I think one of the important things is to be able to look in the mirror and have a good laugh every now and then. Look at myself and see, Michael, look at what you're doing. (laughs) This is nuts, Michael. Calm down here. I can't look at myself and laugh at times the way others must be doing when they see me. I I'm not mature yet. And so let me move my pages here. Filling of the spirit is being controlled or empowered, guided and directed, and characterized by God's spirit, which is the opposite of the deeds of the flesh. And by way of review, which I'm sure you discussed in your small groups, being filled with the Spirit often begins when we at some point yield our lives to God or dedicate or commit ourselves to Him. And then daily when we do that, when we are preparing for worship today, we prayed in, in the prayer That pastor prayed was that all of us would yield ourselves to the Spirit's guidance. That our worship may honor God today. And bring glory to Him. When I walk into a situation or drive my chair into a situation where I know there is tension. I try to make it my habit to stop. And that would be point to ongoing dedication. Say, Father, now I realize... I need to speak words of goodness, of love, of patience, and of peace. May your spirit fill me now and guide my my words and my speech so that it honors you and is a faithful witness to Christ. Amen. And I find God answers those prayers. I think in part because there was a time when I did dedicate my life to him and said, here am I use my life. If you've not done that, this afternoon is a good time. Before the thunderstorms get here, to pull back and read about Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and other prophets of God. Read some of those familiar passages. And as they did, so should you do. Say, God, my life is yours. Use it for your glory and honor. And give your life to Him. If you've already done that sometime in the past, perhaps at a retreat or after a sermon one Sunday, then reaffirm that commitment, which is something my wife and I have had to do many times since I've had my stroke because it's changed so much of life we have to go back and review where are we going we're going where God wants us to go and we affirm that that's all we want yes it would be nice to have God just look down and heal me as he healed the paralytic that was lowered down through the roof by his friends he said take up your mat it'd be wonderful if God would say to me one day stand up drive your wife home And if I could suddenly start doing that again I would have great enjoyment in resuming the way life was before as with my wife. But part of being yielded to God is accepting what he brings to us. God you brought this to us you say in your word that All things work for the good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Right now I don't understand how this is working for the good. So give Michelle and myself insight to understand how it is working for the good. And grant us the strength to do that which you are now calling us to do. So we often go back to that dedication reaffirm it and rely upon God's to guide us through the immediate moment. In Galatians five thirteen through eighteen, Paul says, "This salvation has set us free to obey God, which means to be righteous. To be righteous is to do and be what is right." The news media is filled with every day with a report of someone who is not righteous not doing or being what is right this morning as I take in my shower I heard about some fellow who got shot in his leg seven times by a rival gang member when we lived in Chicago we were part of the local caps group community and policing the community would gather and the police would train us what to look for what to call 911 for And we learned how to spot the gang members. When I get off the red line, I learned what to look for. How to have what they called situational awareness. To keep away from people who took delight in shooting other people or stealing their car. Unfortunately, there are people like that. Rather than be racist or bigoted or curse them, I'd rather be a witness to them and speak to them about God that they might find the God who could transform them and rescue them from the way they are living which does not bear fruit for eternity the spirit enables us to be free to obey no matter how much the deeds of the flesh have entrapped us surrounded us and ensnared us the spirit empowering us can set us free from that being empowered by the spirit should be part of daily life when we start the day in the morning as you pray your way through the day what's coming up turn to God's Spirit and ask Him to fill you whether it's to empower you or to characterize you for whatever you expect to be happening that day And so, in so doing, we prove ourselves to be citizens of the kingdom of God, which we pray for every day as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As if we we should be praying every day for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done, which would mean in our life as well as in our society on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is very simple to understand. It's the place where God rules. When we pray for His kingdom to come, we're praying for His rule over His creation. To be manifested. You may remember once Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment? His answer was very simple, that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. So love is to be the preeminent trait of my relationship with God. The second commandment was similar to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is to be the preeminent trait in my relationship with my neighbor. That may explain to you why in the fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit listed is love. Because it's the preeminent trait of my relationship with God and the preeminent trait of my relationship with my neighbor. Uh, If you remember the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes the difficulty is we don't love ourselves. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we don't like who we are. We don't like how we look like. My sisters were blessed with naturally curly hair. They would say cursed because it was a time when for young girls having long straight hair was highly desirable. So I still remember my sisters taking their hair and bending over near the ironing board and the other sister ironing it with the iron to try and straighten it. And putting these pop cans on their hair to try to get the curls out. Some of you said, yeah, you must have had naturally curly hair as well. Now, women spend a lot of money to get the curls put in their hair. So they've got now, they had when they were young, what everybody would want when they became older. They didn't realize it. I'm sorry I lost my train of thought which is one of the things my wife keeps telling me stay focused yes I can see the clock love is preeminent in all relationships it is to be preeminent in our relationship with God our relationship to others and our relationship to ourself. If we don't like ourself, we need to ask God to teach us how to accept and love ourself. Because that will affect how we love others, our neighbor as well as God. If you can't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor? Very simple question. If you can't love yourself, how are you going to accept God's love for you? you're going to resist it and push away instead of accepting His love for us which we must do if I may summarize the filling of the Holy Spirit is the means to the spiritual life but also the results of the spiritual life People who, that are truly spiritual will find that they have learned to be filled with the Spirit. They may, not, may never have seen it in the Scripture with such clarity, but you will find that that's what's really happening in their life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For what other reason do we strive and work so hard in life? except to find in our life those traits of spirituality known as the fruit of the Spirit. My mother was an English teacher and something of a grammar Nazi. She would have, if she had seen Paul's manuscript before, it was circulated, she would have said, Paul, you've listed nine traits. You can't use a singular. You have to use a plural. The fruits of the Spirit are I think Paul used the singular fruit on purpose because he was trying to communicate that all of these nine traits are what the Spirit produces in us. It's not that you get the person next to you got love and so they're the person everybody likes. The person next to you got joy so that they can smile. The person next to you got peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And when it came your turn, you got self control Dry and dusty, but controlled. All nine traits are what God wants to produce in us as the marks of true spirituality. When we look for leaders in the church, we should be always looking for men and women that are truly spiritual one of the things we should ask is do we see the fruit of the Spirit manifest in their life? Do we see someone who shows love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Because against such thing there is no restriction, no law. They are what the Spirit produces through us if He lives in us. The only thing an apple tree has to have to produce apples is apple life in it. The only thing a Christian needs to have to produce the fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit. The Spirit lives in you when you being, became a Christian. The Spirit of God begins to live within you. From then on, it's simply a matter of giving the Spirit the freedom to live in you. The part of Algonquin we live in is heavily forested one of our neighbors last year I remember watching him he was ran out to one of the trees just the other side of the fence and he jumped up as high as he could and grabbed a branch started yanking trying to break the branch off and I asked my wife why is he trying to do that I didn't understand why he was trying to break the branch off the only thing he could do is if he cracked the branch he would be separated from the life of the tree trunk And soon it would be a dead limb would have to be cut off and disposed of somehow. So what's important for us is to remain close to God. As Jesus said in John 15 the story about the vine and the branches and abiding. If the branch abides in the vine it bears fruit, it has life. So when I abide in Christ when I remain close to Him and allow the life of the Spirit to live in me. I'll produce fruit. Fruit in my relationship with God. The praise songs we sing, sometimes some of us sit there and they don't ring in our hearts as the words expressing what our heart wants to express today in worship. But as we are filled with the Spirit, we will find that praise increasingly Is the only way we can express our heart towards God. So we will find that singing and making melody in our hearts, singing praises to God, becomes more part of our life. Because it's the only way. Do you know what the difference between praise and thanks is? We tend to say, Thank you, God. When we say, Thank you, God, what's the subject of the sentence? it's an unstated subject it's I thank you God the subject is me but when you say praise the subject becomes God it's that change of perspective from myself to God that differentiates praise from simply thanks so praise songs are intended to be expressions of God you are wonderful you are great you are the subject is you You are this. I've come to see your power in that thunderstorm. I watched the lightning display, and all I could think of is so much power. Wow. Overwhelming. You are Almighty God. Your strength knows no limits. Your power is not restricted by anything in creation. When I see a thunderstorm, I often feel the necessity to respond with praise to the great God of power, of sovereignty who rules over creation whose very voice is more powerful than the thunderstorm itself when my wife responds to me with love when, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, I often feel obligated to pray and praise God for bringing such a wonderful person into my life. I hope all of you have the same experience of God bringing such people into your life who become outlets for the Spirit of God to work and to manifest the fruits of the Spirit, and bring blessing to you and to others. And so we praise God. We have to say, God, you are. God, you knew what I needed before I knew it. And so you brought the right person to me to be my life mate. You have a handout that says, Virtue or Fruit. Uh, That's for additional study and thought. Small group leaders, there's a lot of passages and thoughts in there that might help you with your small group there are a number of words translated love when a couple comes to my wife and me wanting to be married we've probably done premarital counseling with what michelle maybe 20 25 couples one of the first things i ask is why do you want to get married usually the guy says oh i love her and she'll look back and go, I love him. Oh. And you see like in the cartoons, the little heart balloons floating around going pop, pop, pop. And I say to him, like the uh, commercial for Staples, mm. I hit, I'm going to hit the red button now. Mm, wrong answer. You don't get married because you have the ooey gooies for each other. Or my niece, who at their wedding said she wanted to marry the man who became her husband because they made her laugh. And my wife and I, along with just about everybody in the congregation, was sitting there thinking, what happens when you've heard his joke so many times they're not funny anymore? What happens when he doesn't make you laugh anymore? Like my sister, her mother, who said she was marrying her husband, Joe, years ago because they were like two trees blowing in the same wind and the first question in my mind was what happens when the wind changes direction it did and joe had an affair and they got divorced the foundation for their marriage was ooey gooey's feelings there are as i said many words that translate as love One of them in the Old Testament, the preeminent word translated love in the Old Testament is chesed. Some of your older word study resources would transliterate as a ch to try to bring out the, the guttural chesed or h-e-s-e-d in some newer ones. Chesed love is loyal love or covenantal love. It's love that makes commitments towards its object, has to make commitments. So what I share with the couple then is the correct answer is because I need to make a commitment to this person. And that's shown in the marriage ceremony. In the marriage ceremony we don't recount a personality inventory and how the two of you match up on common life goals and match up on personality traits which is the basis for a lot of the online matching things rather the heart of the marriage ceremony and the part of the ceremony after which I will say I now pronounce you man and wife is an exchange of vows or commitments. The marriage vows are always high contrast for better for worse sickness or health good times or bad times. It's a, a series of vows of commitments that they make to each other as they make those commitments they're showing chesed love, covenantal love. So when God says he loves Israel, he makes a covenant with her. He, when he tells Abram he loves Abram, he makes a covenant with Abram. Genesis 12 and 15. When Israel wants to show God that he is their God, she makes a covenant with them. Deuteronomy 11. They stand on Mount Gerizim and Mount and they recite the laws of the Old Testament covenant they recite them and the priests recite them and the people say Amen we agree they agree to a covenant of loving and serving Yahweh as their God so love which makes a commitment another word a New Testament Greek New Testament word translated love is philia philia The city of Philadelphia, often known as the city of brotherly shove, instead of the city of brotherly love, which has the famous expressway running right down the middle of it, known as the Schuylkill Expressway. A lot of people live in Philly are kind of like Rocky types. No Adrian, no, they're these rough, gruff types. They're not known for their love. And so we often share with the couple then well the correct answer is because I love her. I love him. I want to make a covenant with them. Commitments. Chesed love. And then the other thing I want to hear is that they enjoy each other deeply. They have become friends. My best friend is my wife. And she'll tell you that I'm her best friend. Not only Friend she has girlfriends. Philia, another uh, Greek word, eros love, which we have too much of in our society. The word erotic comes from it. Eros love is a love that desires the other because it finds the other satisfies a need. When I say I love chocolate, what I'm saying is eros. I desire it. One of the most attractive parts of Michelle when we were dating was the truth that her mother worked in a chocolate factory. And the refrigerator was always filled with the seconds which the employees could buy for the cost of materials. If you ever go to Buffalo, go to Fowler's Candy Store. You'll find their exquisite chocolates. Her mother used to make them. She was one of the hand dippers. She would, could tell who would dip each one because she knew the swirls. Oh, well, that's the way Agnes makes her swirls. That's the way Marge makes hers. She dipped that one. Areslav often gets out of control. It can be like a fire that burns everything around it. And we'll learn more about that when we get to the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. Which, if I can jump ahead a little bit, is most often used in the context of sexuality. God's Spirit can enable us to control those desires and passions which many people never learn how to control. Therefore, the heart of the marriage ceremony is not philia, shared activities, friends. It's hesed, the vows. And so love as a fruit of the Spirit should characterize our relationship with others. Which is why Paul said in Galatians, we should be serving one another, which is something we do when we love other people to find ways to serve them. At our former church, Cornerstone, down in Chicago, our men's ministry's motto was training servant leaders. We sought to train the men how to be servant leaders. So on the second Saturday of the month when we met, we always served someone in the congregation We would, at this time of the year, we would have what we called chill out. They'd bring their cars to a parking lot and we'd check the air conditioning. Most cars are down about a can of Freon. That's why the air conditioner is not cold. We'd add the Freon for them, being very careful not to violate any of the federal laws to allow Freon to escape into the atmosphere or any of those rules. And teaching them how to do it safely and legally. And these single women and single again women in the church, they were always asked to come as our guest. And one of the guys would go over, take the keys to their car, take care of checking everything, and then take it back when we were done because we were to be servants to one another. Because love serves. Love finds a way to address the needs that the other person has. The word most of you have heard for love from the New Testament, agape, is love which chooses its object and always acts for the benefit of its object. Agape love is a very discerning love. It makes a choice. So I choose to look at my neighbor, the guy who wants gravity, Suspended so that the rain won't flow downhill towards his property. I choose to make him an object of my love and I choose to say, how can I act for his benefit? One way is helping him calm down and not be embarrassed in front of his wife by what he says and does, like jumping in his truck in the middle of a rainstorm and pounding on the horn in rage over the rain. And she finds that to be embarrassing behavior. If I can help him in that way, I'm serving him. I'm loving him. Eventually, I'll figure out. This guy and his wife, hey, they're pretty good neighbors. I'm a better person when they're around. Or like my friend in the steel mill. When those guys went home, their wife would notice that they weren't as rough as they'd been yesterday. They were a better person when Dewey was around. Or we as faculty, when Dr. Walberg came in the lounge, we discovered we behaved better when he was around because the aroma of the Spirit reminded us of how we should be spiritual people and shaped us in that right direction. Much to think about and much to confess and much to pray and ask God to change in our own lives, Right? I suspect all of us have that sense. Will you bow with me as I close us in a word of prayer? And then our brother Ram comes to lead us in a closing hymn. Our Father, we confess our sin. The times when we've turned to the sinful nature and allowed it to control our lives. And so we pray that you will forgive us of that sin and cleanse us from it and fill us with your Spirit. That the fruit of the Spirit may characterize us instead of the deeds of the sinful nature. Instead of the desires of the flesh. That the fruit of the Spirit may become an aroma around us. That others may know we are Christians by our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May that aroma, as in the Old Testament when... An offering was made. May it be a fragrant offering to you, pleasing to your nostrils, that our lives may be an act of worship which pleases you. This we pray in the power of your Spirit, awaiting his work in our life. Amen. Now, hear our praises.